It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to answer your mailbag questions. So for that, we bring in our friend, who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's up, brother? Uh, Not the Jets' performance. Absolutely (laughs) miserable watching this football team right now. Fail to move the ball up and down the field. Um, But other than, than, you know, watching the Jets and ruining my own day, not not bad. Thanks for asking, Scott. Well, hopefully we can brighten your day by answering some questions from the mailbag. And we will start with Shane White. He asks, how much more do you think Zach Wilson could realistically improve? Do you think he has plateaued? It's tough to say he could keep improving. I guess it depends who you ask because there are some people that would tell you he hasn't improved at all. Glenn, I think we agree that he has certainly improved from last year. And there is room for growth. How much growth? I don't know. Could he ever be at the level of a legitimate starting caliber quarterback, a guy that you want to start the season with as your quarterback? I don't know. I think at this point you would say that he's done enough to justify being a backup in the league for a significant period of time, probably along the lines of somebody like Sam Darnold or before he broke out, Geno Smith, Kellen Clemens. Those are guys that were highly touted Jets quarterback draft picks, Mark Sanchez as well, and stuck around the league for a significant period of time, even though they didn't pan out as the starter that everybody expected. So I'll say I think there's still room for growth there. Maybe he could become better. I think the most likely scenario is that he ends up being what I said, a journeyman backup. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent impossible because we 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 know what his ceiling is because of the physical attributes, but we have no way of no knowing how high up, you know, toward that ceiling he's gonna go. He he has improved this year. People don't want to hear that because he hasn't been good enough. Those are those are two different conversations. We know he hasn't been good enough to win football games, but we also know that he's better than he used to be. But as far as how far he'll go, and I said this earlier in the offseason when somebody told me, you know, that it was or earlier in the season when somebody said he was done and, that, you know, he, he clearly was finished improving. And and the name you mentioned, Geno Smith. Um, and I say, look, I, I'm not saying we have to hang on to Zach Wilson for seven years to wait for him to get better. But we don't know that he's done getting better. And right now he's a, you know, as you said, a backup level quarterback um, who has the tools that if he does, if he does continue to improve, let's not forget this is a fairly new offense to him. And Robert Sala just acknowledged, which I think is not really a great thing, um, just a couple days ago said, let's face it, this was Aaron's offense, but we're trying to get Zach, you know, we're trying to get the offense to work for Zach now. Well, so for the last couple months, you're telling us that, like, I don't know what offense you had Zach Wilson running in training camp, but apparently it was one that he was not going to run if he ever had to play in a game. So how how long has he really been a guy who's been a focal point 
to teach this offense too. And, you know, for a young, it's not like he's a veteran guy like a Josh McCown who's played for three, four, five, six teams and knows a bunch of different systems and terminologies and he can adjust quickly. Like, he was raw out of college. He had one system for a couple of years that apparently was a little too complex for him. And now he's in a system that he's had a couple of months to learn in, in a situation where they didn't expect him to play. So I think it's I think everything considered, it's impossible to say how much further he can go. I'm, I just keep saying I'm encouraged by the fact that he's improved. And if the players around him would play a little bit better, I think we'd be seeing some different results right now. Next question comes in from Dylan Lashway. He asks, with upcoming free agents and the Jets cap situation, who would be future targets that the Jets should go after? Glenn, I haven't really looked at the offensive linemen that are going to be available. That's an obvious area of need. But right off the top of my head, the two names that stick out at me are Mike Evans and T. Higgins. And I know that Mike Evans has had those drop issues that he had early in his career pop back up. He was so upset that he had a towel over his head on the sideline in the Buccaneers win the other day against the Titans, although he did end up coming back and making a huge catch. It's funny because somebody said that sometimes Mike Evans has this weird habit of dropping routine catches but making these spectacular highlight reel grabs, sort of like what Terrell Owens used to do. They are sort of similar in that regard. Evans' drop issues have been something that has been an on-and-off battle for him throughout his career. The best he's done in terms of containing the drop problem was when Todd Monken was in Tampa Bay, and he's talked about that extensively. You can go and look that up about how Monken helped him so much with the drop issues, and unfortunately, they pop back up again this year, so you would think that maybe that'll hurt him a little bit on the free agent market, but still, a guy like that would be huge. T. Higgins from the Bengals, he would also be huge. It's possible neither one of those guys gets franchise tagged, so I think if they hit the market, the Jets should go full blast to try and get one of those guys. They desperately need another major weapon in the passing game, and it's easier to get yourself a wide receiver than an offensive lineman usually in order to get a quality offensive lineman you've got to draft one with receivers it's much easier to sign one on the open market they'll be costly but you can get them good offensive lineman very hard to come by so if you're the Jets I think the better route would be and we'll talk about this more down the line even if Devontae Adams is available via trade don't trade for Adams save your picks use them on the offensive line and go pay T Higgins or Mike Evans yeah, I think if you're if if you are targeting an offensive lineman, it's th- those top guys often end up getting tagged or re-signed before free agency hits, and that's that's how you generally end up going out going after some of the guys the Jets have gone after. You you know sometimes you see one or two premium guys, but rarely at tackle, which is obviously the Jets' bigger issue because you know who knows what happens with Mackay Becton, um, Dwayne Brown will be gone after this year. Who knows where Carter was? so. Tackle is the, the the spot you're they're more likely to need, and that's where you're less likely to find a guy who can really play. And Mike Evans, as, in terms of receiver, um, he was a guy that I'd said, you know, when we did that show during or before the season, that I thought he was a guy they should pursue when he became available. I think he makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, hopefully they, they come to their senses and, and Odell Beckham isn't a target this time around after the way he's he's played this year. But um you know, the uh, the the receiver list, I looked at it a few, I was looking at some wide receiver targets a few days ago, and there's really not much out there. You know, uh, Curtis Samuel, I don't know what they think of him. He's not he's not a game changer, but the the thing is, oh, Mecole Hardman, by the way, is a free agent. He's somebody they can go after. Um, but they, they basically, 
they're gonna they're likely gonna add multiple pass catchers. So I think you'll see some mid level guys get targeted in free agency, and then some early draft picks. Well, at least one early draft pick, possibly round one, I think goes on a receiver or a tackle. The two positions we discussed. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He asks, how much of Michael Carter's dismissal is attitude versus performance? There's a long history now of Joe Douglas releasing vocal jets. I don't know how much of the vocal behind the scenes stuff had to do with this. It sounds like it was a combination of wanting to give Israel Abanacanda a chance and just realizing that Michael Carter didn't really have a spot here. He seemed to be well-liked in the locker room. Maybe the fact that he's spoken up in the past rubbed some people the wrong way, but they did keep him all this time. So I don't think that was the major factor here. I think it was... Carter wasn't all that productive. They wanted to give Israel Abanacanda a chance, and they felt like it was in everybody's best interest, including Carter, who got picked up right away by Arizona to just move on here. Yeah, I think the the craziest thing about it, and I, I would hope it's coincidence, was the fact he was released a couple hours after they had a players meeting, players only meeting. But I, I do think they they felt like he's been a guy who hasn't produced the way he did as a rookie. Production-wise, he'd probably they'd probably soured on him a little bit, and then figured, you know what, we got this new kid in a band of Canada who's not getting any run. He's more explosive, you know, faster, quicker, all that, uh, more powerful. Let's give him some run and and move on from Michael Carter. I'm always a little, I'm always a little skeptical when teams say things like, you know, we wanted to do we wanted to do right by this guy and let him go because he's a talented player. Like NFL teams aren't in the business of just letting go of talented players for the sake of being nice. Um, you know, they have the, the description Robert Sala used, right? He said, Oh, we let him go because he's got talent and we didn't want him, want him rotting on the bench. It's like, you just described your entire draft class outside of Joe Tipman, like talented guys who are rotting on the bench. And I get that they're rookies, but they're just not getting any time. Um, and as, as I believe it was Connor Hughes, I'm not sure, um, pointed out to Sala, that's exactly what you're doing with Carl Lawson and Sala kind of, Sala's funny. You can tell. He's not the smoothest when it comes to the verbal pauses. Like, okay, let me let me say some words here while I think of a good answer. Um, and he did that with a Lawson thing, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, um, you you could argue that. I see where you're coming from, Connor. And he's coming up with a reason in his head. And then he goes, oh, but we think he's going to play later on. He's going to be a part of this team. But Connor stumped him and said, you know, the exact reason you just gave for releasing Michael Carter, and it's exactly what you are doing with Carl Lawson letting a talented player rot on the bench because there's not room for him right now. Next question comes in from USAF Jets Lifer. He asks, can lining Garrett Wilson and Xavier Gibson in a bunch or stack on the same side create more conflict for a defense? It was a part of Green Bay's offensive attack back in 2020 and 2021. Listen, they should be willing to try just about anything at this point, Glenn. If they want to go that route, try some of that. Try anything. Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall on the field at the same time. Whatever. Anything they can do to try and get in the end zone more. It's surprising. A lot of people seem to have turned, you know, Dalvin Cook had two carries where he ran the ball for, you know, eight, nine yards a carry. And the number of people I've seen flip on him, like he's back. We, you know, we've seen it. We, you know, look how good he looked the other night. And I'm kind of looking and going, he had two carries. It, you know, sometimes the, the play call is perfect for the defensive call, right? He he just basically took the ball and ran to wide open space, and there were no defenders in the area. Um, I'm watching, I'm thinking, he didn't juke, he didn't break a tackle, he wasn't super. But a lot of people, based on two carries, are like, let's see more Dalvin Cook. So, fine. But on the one hand, I'm like, that's silly. 
to change your entire opinion of a guy based on two carries. But at the same time, desperate times, desperate measures, right? R- run everything you can out there. Let's see. I want to. I would love to see a Banacanda and Hall. That was one question posed to Robert Sala after the game. You know why isn't why isn't Hall getting more targets as a receiver? And you know, we, as Sala often says, like, yeah, it's a good question. That's something we'll look at. We should have been looking sooner. But yeah, let's let's get these guys involved as receivers and let's move some guys around and and get some put a bigger guy in the slot. Put Brownlee on the outside and Lazard in the slot, or or vice versa. Could try to create some mismatches in the middle of the field with bigger guys. Like, do something different. Next question comes in from Andy B. He says, I applaud the Carter cut. I get that Salah is a player's coach, but too often this regime seems like they don't want to hold players and coaches feet to the fire for mental mistakes or incompetence. Is there any possibility that Downing takes over the play calling for Hackett? I don't think that's going to happen, honestly. There's a variety of reasons, but the biggest one is we all know the 800-pound elephant in the room, Aaron Rodgers. I just don't see them taking the play calling away from Rodgers' guy. I know people will say that Hackett didn't call the plays in Green Bay, and that's true, but he's calling them here And you're going to have to convince Aaron Rodgers to sign off on allowing Salah to take the play calling away from Nathaniel Hackett if we're being honest about it. You heard what Rodgers said on the McAfee show the other day. He said he's a big believer in the offense. He won two MVPs in it. He doesn't think that it's Nathaniel Hackett's fault, so on and so forth. And everybody can say what they want to about whether or not the Jets should allow Aaron Rodgers to have this kind of input, but he does. That's the reality. And so I don't see Todd Downing taking over. It would take some enormous disaster for that to even be a thought because then the Jets would have to go to Rodgers and basically sit down with him and ask his permission. It, it, you know, we talked about this on our show a, a couple days ago, and I've, I've mentioned it a few times that that's exactly what it would be, right? It would it would have to be something that even Aaron Rodgers couldn't defend. Keeping in mind, this is one of his best friends, if not his best friend in football, the guy he said he loved like a brother when he got here in his introductory press conference. Aaron Rodgers' feelings on, on Hackett being the offensive coordinator are clear. So that's why I don't think there's any change coming at all. At offense. I, think, I think Hackett is as safe as anyone in the building. It would take, like, we literally have to see a couple of consecutive shutouts. And, and just not moving the football at all in order for Aaron Rodgers. It would have to be at that point where even Rodgers says, this is my guy, but I can't I can't defend him. But I think, and, and oddly, I think Aaron Rodgers just has way too much power right now. Um, I think there are a lot of things this team could do that would have to go through him first, like letting go of a Randall Cobb or a, a, a Turner or somebody like that. Um, and the Jets, this is this is the bed they've made for themselves. They've made him the guy. He's the focal point. And I don't know that he would sign off on Hackett. So I think he's as safe as anybody unless, again, he just did something historic and didn't score a touchdown for a couple weeks. T. Diddy Jammer asks, there's a rumor going around that Dwayne Brown has clandestinely retired and won't actually be coming back. Any truth to this? Nothing I've heard. You know anything about this, Glenn? No, I actually saw he was a participant in practice yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know where this is coming from, but nothing I've heard. And like you said, he's been participating in practice. So unless there's something really crazy going on that I'm unaware of, I can't really help you there. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. And Peter, as always, has a series of questions. This is why we love Peter. One of those questions, you guessed it, is going to be about the offensive line. So we'll get to that in a second. First, he says, do you think Joe Douglas should get more criticism? 
The Jets' major problems are on offense, and most fans, including on your podcast, felt this team needed another weapon at wide receiver, better depth on the offensive line, especially at tackle, and a veteran backup who isn't Zach Wilson. Douglas didn't address these problems at all. What are your thoughts? So, Glenn, we joked about the tackle situation. We said it was weird how they went after Orlando Brown, and then when they couldn't get him, they just said, oh, well, okay, fine, we couldn't get Orlando Brown. They seem to sort of do the same thing at wide receiver. They made calls on the big ticket items, the guys we talked about before, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, and Devontae Adams, and then when they couldn't get one of those guys, they just said, "Eh, all right, whatever, we can't get one of those guys. We had said that the Jets should probably draft Jackson Smith at Jigba or if you preferred Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers, either way, it would have been a good idea to draft one of those guys in that spot, cut Corey Davis, save the $11 million, and you have a guy who has the potential to be a really good one-two punch with Garrett Wilson. Look, I like Corey Davis, thought he was a solid receiver, didn't know he was going to retire, obviously, and he would help now compared to what they currently have. But people forget he dropped a lot of passes and missed a lot of games when he was here. Missed a significant number of games for injury. And he was a solid receiver, but he wasn't anything more than solid. The Jets could have gotten one of those guys in the draft. Now, people will point out that Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison hadn't performed to the level of what we're talking about so far. But those guys have picked things up as the season has gone along. Glenn, we were talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba the other day, and if you take his numbers from the second half of the games that he's played after the first month where he got off to a slow start, he would be on pace for 900 yards and seven touchdowns if you extrapolated that throughout the season. So he's really picked things up. And if they weren't going to draft one of these guys, they absolutely could have made a run at DeAndre Hopkins. Remember, even before he retired, Corey Davis was due $11 million. They could have gotten out of all of it by releasing him with no dead cap money of significance. I think it would have been about a half a million dollars. And they could have signed DeAndre Hopkins for the same exact money. That's a huge upgrade. No offense to Corey Davis, but you're going from a solid receiver to a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame and can still play at a very high level as we've seen in Tennessee and as we saw at the end of last year in Arizona when he was making things happen with third-string quarterbacks. So, yeah, I agree. I think they should have done more there. On the offensive line, they should have done more depth-wise. They went out, and this is the Aaron Rodgers factor again, and they got Billy Turner, who can't play, let's be honest. He plays a lot of positions, none of them well. Jack of all trades, master of none is really what Billy Turner's story is. So they needed more depth there. I would have liked to have seen them add a starting caliber tackle. But after Orlando Brown, maybe there just wasn't anybody that they thought could come in here and play at a high level. And they probably felt like they had Elijah Vera Tucker in their back pocket. So they proceeded to the draft and were able to get Joe Tipman. They brought back Connor McGovern. So it gave him a little bit of flexibility to move guys around. But the depth absolutely is something that they should have done a better job with Glenn what are your thoughts on this when it comes to wide receiver and offensive line oh and veteran backup quarterback of course we said this they should have signed Teddy Bridgewater in August even if you want to make the case that Jacoby Brissett went to Washington because he thought he'd have a chance to start or Gardner Minshew went to the Colts because he thought he'd have a chance to start they absolutely could have had Teddy Bridgewater in August and Teddy Bridgewater was under no delusions that he was going to start when he went to Detroit they also could have had Josh Dobbs twice they could have traded for him for a late round pick swap when the Cardinals did 
and they could have traded for him before the deadline for a late round pick swap like the Vikings did. They passed both times. I'm not saying Bridgewater or Dobbs was going to come in here and be the solution to every problem with this offense, but I do think it would have at least given the Jets a more realistic option if Aaron Rodgers were to go down, which is unfortunately what happened. So what do you think, Glenn? Offensive line, wide receiver, and a veteran quarterback. Yeah, as someone who still is has a favorable opinion of Joe Douglas, because I do, I just, I don't, I understand that most GMs have, you know, miss on about half their picks and they miss on a lot of their moves. The These are the two areas. Offense, I don't kill Joe Douglas on the O-line quite as much as some folks do, but as you said, we've talked about this and they could have done more, done more in terms of depth. Like, I don't know if there was any bad blood there or if there was a health thing, but one thing that jumped out at me when I was watching the Texans a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, George Fan's playing all right for these guys. He's a, And he's a hell of a lot better, at least in my mind, than Billy Turner is. And and Billy Turner is a guy who, he's one of these guys who was brought along, you know, likely to, to make Aaron Rodgers happy because he was a friend of his from Green Bay. So I don't kill Joe Douglas on the O-line because he's used a ton of picks there. The, you know, the backup plan was clearly to have AVT as that third tackle if somebody went down. And then, of course, he goes down after after a start, after they lose a starter in Dwayne Brown. Um, I don't know if they if they had hoped that Carter Warren would be sort of, you know, I think I said before the year, maybe by midseason, he's ready to play. And he ends up playing a tiny bit in the preseason to not being able to see the field because of get, getting re-injured. And instead of being at a point where you've, you've accelerated to where he might be ready, you're still integrating him. And Robert Sala said not very long ago that Carter Warren was, was going to need some time to be ready to play in games. So I think between the AVT injury, between the Carter Warren injury and going out and getting Turner to make, you know, to, to satisfy uh, Rogers. And of course, Hackett vouched for, for Turner. I think that's what really tied their hands at tackle. It's not as if I hear a lot of people say Joe Douglas neglected it. Joe Douglas didn't bring anybody in, which isn't necessarily true. Could he have done more? Certainly. Could he have brought in a guy like Fan? Absolutely. And and as we did discuss, it it was super weird to go out and, and target a marquee guy and then just kind of throw your hands up when you didn't get him and say, well, too bad. And uh, wide receiver, I'm re- there's really not much I can add at wide receiver, Scott. We've, we've had this conversation a million times, and we both at the time were saying, you know, go out and get DeAndre Hopkins. I did a piece on Jet Nation saying JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba was the obvious choice at 11, which... You know, I saw you commented on it. Rich Samini said the other day the Jets didn't didn't even have a first round grade on him, um, and he's a guy now. Yeah, for the last five weeks, he's somebody you can pencil in for fifty yards for that Seattle offense every week, which the Jets could certainly use right now. And backup quarterback, I you know, it was a, a huge topic for you on your show, for us on our show, where we were saying, what are you doing here? You, you're literally doing, you know, you're going to ever to the ends of the earth to replace Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback leaving open the possibility if there was an injury that he would be your starting quarterback and that's exactly what happens of course doesn't just happen but happens after four plays so again still me for the most part favor favorable view of joe douglas um but there's no denying he absolutely botched the receiver situation and he botched the backup quarterback situation and i wouldn't say botched the o-line but could he have handled it better certainly That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, check out everything Glenn's doing over at JetNation.com. 
and follow him on Twitter. Check out everything we're doing at playlikejet.com and the Play Like Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel, so watch our videos. And subscribe if you haven't already, youtube.com slash playlikejet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You Thank You shirt, the Play Like Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.